When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, a very good afternoon, early afternoon, and welcome to uh, the early drive show with Peter Vlahos on this Monday, and it is the final drive program for now. Tomorrow, we'll return to five o'clock and it will be rebranded as Sports Day. So looking forward to that. And we've got a few surprises with the all new Sports Day tomorrow from five o'clock and it commences, of course, on Melbourne Cup Day. What have you got planned for tomorrow? Anything exciting? Just walking into the studio complex here at Optus Stadium where SENWA is based of course, just a stone's throw is the camp field, and they are certainly preparing themselves for what promises to be a big Melbourne Cup day tomorrow. There'll be hundreds of people around this precinct tomorrow, and I gather tomorrow afternoon for a lot of people be a case of uh, enjoying the Melbourne Cup festivities uh, and maybe catching up with friends and, and just having a good time. And good luck with your selection in the Melbourne Cup tomorrow. By the way, Jared Waitley will call the Cup for SEN, and he did a phantom call a bit earlier today that he recorded, and we'll play that a bit later on as well. We'll also pay tribute to what was a fantastic career. Uh, Ebony Antonio, of course, pulled the boots off yesterday for the final time in Fremantle's victory over Hawthorne. Juddy, as she's affectionately known, you'll hear from Trent Cooper, the coach of the AFLW Dockers, and Ebony also kicked a couple of great goals yesterday, so we'll feature that as well. Plus, we'll look ahead to the ICC World Cup T20 match tonight. Australia take on Ireland. Had the privilege last night of calling the match between India and South Africa here at Optus Stadium, and the South Africans did well in the end after having their backs to the wall to get over the line and now sits uh, top of Group 2, uh, undefeated with two wins and one no result, India dropping their first game of the tournament. We'll come back to that a bit later on. But let's uh, talk about the more present, and there's been some news regarding the Perth glory. They were beaten 2-1 by Adelaide yesterday, Adelaide recording their first win in this A-League season. A lot of conjecture, officially Bruno Fornaroli, has again got together with uh, former Perth Glory coach in Tony Popovich. He signed with Melbourne Victory after what was seemingly a pretty messy situation last week. And I thought I'd get on inaugural Perth Glory coach, former Socceroo captain in Gary Marocchi on the program just to decipher where things are at. Gary, thanks for your time. Yeah, how you going, Peter? Uh, yeah, not good news for the Glory when you lose... Probably, um, you know, an Australian international. Um, but obviously the club's got to move forward. How do things like this happen, Gary? Now, you've been involved in football a long time. Uh, clearly there was some sort of problem between Fornaroli, possibly the coach, and where the coach wanted to take the, t- take the team. 
this happens. It's not a, an isolated case. It can happen quite frequently in various sporting clubs when, of course, the player seemingly doesn't get what he wants. It's quite interesting, Peter. I don't know if you, if the listeners know the the history, but uh, Bruno also had an issue at Melbourne City when they had the English coach at the time, and uh, the the coach obviously um, didn't see Bruno fitting into the way that he wanted the, the team to play, and he was left on the outer, and that's when he then came to Perth Glory. So. It's you know, a couple of years later, um, the same thing's happened here with a new coach that uh, Bruno's uh, not the flavour of the month and, they've you know, he's moved on. But, you know, it's very interesting that, you know, they've not been able to score too many goals and he's a proven goal scorer, uh, but maybe he doesn't play the way that uh, the new coach wants the team to play. But mm. It's interesting, Peter, uh, you know, you know, a couple of months back, he played. For, well, you know, he did play for the Socceroos. Uh, or he was selected in the Socceroos, and about ten months later, he's without a club. Or, he, from what I gather, he has signed with Melbourne Victory now, and that's Tony Popovich uh, had him here at Perth Glory, and he did very well. So, it's a bit sad to see him go because he's technically a very gifted player. He does things that a lot of players, you know, can't do. But obviously, for some coaches, he doesn't, you know, uh, mm. fit the you know, fit the bill the, the way they want to play. But uh, you know, yesterday I watched the game again yesterday, and uh, you know, virtually struggling, uh, you know, for ideas to get creative opportunities up front, and yeah, you know, they certainly got to obviously fix that very quickly. Reportedly, they are now looking at the January transfer window to maybe try and bring an out-and-out striker. Now, I heard uh, they may be targeting somebody from overseas. I've got no inkling who it could possibly be. The head of recruitment, Andy Keogh, and no doubt the coaching staff would need to get someone in to cover Fornaroli. Going back to Bruno Fornaroli, 35 years of age, and there's been a couple of reports. One was the fact that he could score 15 goals again this season, it would trigger a new contract. Uh, He may have been unhappy with that, the fact that he was being left out of the side. Was it a way to make sure that they wouldn't be able to trigger another contract? Uh, The other thing is Bruno may have gone to the board suggesting he wanted a long-term deal at Perth Glory. Uh, Your thoughts on that? And in the end, he's 35 years old. It'd be fair to say probably his best football's behind him, Gary. Could it be a blessing in disguise for the glory if they can pick up somebody that can offer a bit more than the ageing Uruguayan? I, I think you, you know, you've always got to weigh those up, Peter, and I don't know what sort of salary he's on, but if he's on a... I heard it was about a million amount, dollars a year. Well, if he's on that sort of money, Peter, um, then I think uh, at 35, um, I don't think he's indispensable. Mm. Uh but, uh, you know, coming back on that, you know, what I couldn't come to understand was the statement made a cup, uh, I think it was last week, where we've brought in 15 new players uh, since last year and we're looking to bring in more players in the next few transfer windows. So um, I, I was a little bit taken back by that comment. Does that mean that the players that he's brought in aren't good enough to see the club down in the in the long run, mm, uh, it was very. Oh, I thought that was a very strange comment. Uh, didn't give the players that he's actually brought in a lot of confidence. Mm. But uh, they certainly need to. Sc- you know, if you don't score goals, Peter, you don't win games. That's uh, priority number one. And they need to bring someone in, but they also need to get 
someone who can actually lay the ball onto these players. And, you know, Castro's no longer here with us and uh, they haven't replaced Castro. I don't think the um, the Irish boy, um, you know, is anywhere near to the level of Castro. The Tunisian boy on the left is no nowhere near Castro's ability. So, you know, the, the foreigners that have come in, uh, you know, are not really uh, going to set the world on fire. You know, even the Israeli uh, centre-forward, he comes from the third division in Israel. So, um, you know, obviously, um, you know, he's not at that higher level of play that uh, we should be attracting them into our league. But mm. um, he's found his way to Perth glory. When you look at the results, they've lost three out of the four and all three losses have been just by the solitary goal, whether it be 1-0 or, or the situation yesterday, you know, 2-1, which has occurred a couple of times. And, of course, they beat the Central Coast Mariners to record their first win of the season. What does that say? Does that say that they're not far away, uh, maybe defensively, they're a lot better than they were? Because they leaked a lot of goals over the last couple of seasons. How do you see them defensively? And can they build defensively going forward to maybe turn things around, particularly when they come home? Well, they've they've changed the whole structure, Peter. Um, yeah, but I watched yesterday's game and uh, I thought two one actually, you know, was uh, probably flattered to glory because um, you know Adelaide created quite a few chances and they missed a few. You know, Glory had a second chance that could have gone two one up, but sorry, I think could have been at the equaliser. But from the ricochet from Collie's free kick, uh, but other than that, they didn't really threaten with uh, many. Uh, creative uh, opportunities uh, for their strikers to score goals. And, you know, Goodwin missed a fairly simple opportunity uh, that would have went 3-1 and they were really, you know, firing at the time. And But I looked in open play and uh, Adelaide seemed to be playing a lot more fluidly than what Glory were. And, you know, there's some players I think that really, you know, need to look at themselves. I mean... I can't, you know, uh, Mustafa Amini was made captain of the club and now all of a sudden, is, is he injured or mm. is he, um, it didn't seem to, there's nothing seems to have been written about that. And, you know, it, you know it's strange that your captain is uh, not playing and, you know, there's nothing, that, you know, you, when you look at the reports that doesn't say he's on the injury list or anything. So uh, it, it's a bit strange, but look, the season's very early and, you know, the players will take time to gel, but, I don't see a lot uh, happening where, you know, it gives me confidence that they're going to finish in the top three or four. Yeah. Saying that, we've got the World Cup not far away and it's going to be a break for the A-League for a good month as the World Cup gets underway. It might be a blessing in disguise in some ways for the glory because they can reassess. Uh, It could work in their favour. That's the first question. Could it work in their favour? And secondly, what about this World Cup that's now on our doorstep? Well, it'll be interesting, Peter, but uh, look, you know, maybe it'll give Glory a couple of weeks uh, to uh, regroup, but, you know, they're not going to be able to play uh, games against high-level opposition unless they then travel interstate, uh, which obviously then becomes a cost burden. But, uh, look, it'll give them a bit of time for some of the players who are injured to come back and get themselves in a, you know, a good fitness level. But, uh, look, I think it's still going to be a long season for them and... Uh, but, you know, for the hope sake of the game here, I'd like, you know, we, 
we really want to be seeing them pushing for a top four berth because you know the the coverage that the game is getting here from the media is very, you know is very little and um, we need to you know improve that and the only way we can improve that is the team's got to start winning regularly. Mm. But getting back to the World Cup, Peter, I think that's going to be a fantastic uh, event. It's going to be watched by uh, many people, and I I know we have got some good um, time slots. Uh, uh, this year, um, look, uh, you know, any World Cup, Peter, uh, there will be an emergence of a new star. And I'm certainly looking forward to when uh, Australia play France and seeing how Kylian Mbappé goes. And, uh, you, know, he's, you know, he's playing at a very high level. And, uh, you know, Australia's going to be up, you know, in a lot of trouble trying to um, hold him back. But, uh, you know, it's great to see the game being played you know, at that level. Mm-hmm. And you know, it doesn't come around very often. Every four years, you know, I've been to quite a few of the World Cups and uh, fantastic spectacles, even for the public that go, Peter, the fan zones and all that. It's some, it's similar, I mean, probably a little bit better than uh, watching the AFL uh, when they have the Friday um, parade. You know, every day in a uh, World Cup game, it's like a fanat- all the supporters. There, you get about fifty thousand supporters in the in the fan zone, and it, it's fantastic. The atmosphere is electric. No, it's fan- it's a great event. It really is. And of course, we'll get a bit of that when the FIFA Women's World Cup comes here next year as well. Gary, thanks for your time. We'll keep in touch. And of course, when the glory come back yeah. to Perth, we might be together doing a few of the home games yeah, here from when, Macedonia Park, yeah, which will be interesting <laughs> yeah, when they come back. <laughs> when they come back. Good on right, you, Peter, Gary. Thanks a lot. All the best. Have a good All day, mate. Good on you. Uh, 16 past one, Gary Morocchi, the inaugural Perth Glory coach, just a siphoning what's happened at the club over the last week. Uh, 2-1, they went down yesterday in uh, the match at Cooper Stadium, which was uh, formerly known as Hindmarsh Stadium. We're going to take a break. We'll come back and look at the ICC T20 World Cup and ahead of Australia taking on Ireland. And you'll hear a broadcast right here on the SEN network from around about four o'clock this afternoon. Hence why we've got uh, an early drive show with Peter Vlahos coming up at one o'clock. And at two o'clock, it'll be Hayes and Marlow with a run home between two and four and then we'll get into the live cricket coverage of Australia taking on Ireland. We're still here for Toolmart, the complete tool centre, where you'll always get the right tool from the start. Stay with us. If you'd like to join us on the Tempera Bedshed text line, you can, 0487 736 736, or the Scarborough Toyota open line, 13 12 55. It's 17 past one. Your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Right. 22 past one, the early drive program. As I mentioned, Hazen Mardo will follow at two o'clock this afternoon. And then we've got the Cricket Australia against Ireland. Let's update for tyre power. Uh, the latest sports uh, news headlines. Buy three, get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power. Let's just recap what happened yesterday. Three games back-to-back in the ICC T20 World Cup. The first one was at the Gabba and the remaining two, a double header here at Perth Stadium. He's on strike. It's a short one and he pulls it away back on a square. Musadek comes in, bowls short, misses it. 
Doesn't matter whether he's stopped or not. I think the umpire's given him out, and that's the game. Bangladesh has won. They've defeated Zimbabwe, and they keep their hopes alive in this T20 World Cup. Comes Clover. Shadim Khan hits it past the fieldsman. And after a couple of heartbreaking nights, Pakistan get a win on Aussie soil and they're first in the T20 World Cup of 2022. Ashwin now bowls to the right hand of Markham who advances and he could be caught here by Coley. Oh, he's dropped it. Well, you wouldn't have expected that. One of the big moments in this game scores a tie and it'd be worthy if Miller hits the winning runs and he does that with a boundary. A great win by South Africa of Markram and Miller, who's remained 59 not out of the end off, 46 balls. They've got there with two balls to spare. There you go, a snapshot of what happened uh, in the last three or four T20 World Cup matches. They all had a bit of drama. And will there be a bit of drama tonight? Australia taking on South Africa. Aaron Finch is the captain of the Australians. And firstly, he, there's a big onus on trying to improve the Australian run rate after being obliterated in the first game against New Zealand. And firstly, they need to rectify that. Is there an opportunity tonight to maybe rectify that, as I mentioned, against a lesser nation like Ireland? Here's Aaron Finch. Oh, absolutely. I think what Stoyner showed in one-day cricket is that he can play long innings. Um, Maxie's done that, although he bats a little bit lower down the innings, he, he still has the ability to take games really deep. Um, Tim David's got a lot more batsmanship and, and craft than probably what people give him credit for. I think because he's, he's got such great power that, that that can be a little bit confused that he's just a hitter of the ball rather than, rather than a genuine batsman. So he's someone with great skills as well. So he's someone who could potentially go up as well and, and try and try and see an innings through. Um, so that's one of, those, one of those situations where guys probably get forgotten about because of their, because their power is so great at times as well. Yeah, I think you have to earn the right to go after a run rate performance. We've seen how damaging Ireland can be if they if you give them a sniff in a game. So you never go into a game thinking about things like that. I think that will naturally unfold if the opportunity presents. But first and foremost, you, you have to do the basics well and, and make sure you get your team into a position that that you can, if that, if that presents it, you can push forward. So I think the last thing you want to do is push too hard, leave yourself a lot to do, then, then you end up in a bit of a, a stick or twist. Um, but all we've got to do is try and focus on winning two games and hopefully, hopefully some things fall our way. There you go, Aaron Finch, the captain of the Australian uh, World Cup T20 side. As I mentioned, live coverage on the SEN network around the country from 4 o'clock West Australian time this afternoon. Well, yesterday the AFLW home and away season came to an end. And the main focus from a West Australian perspective and the Fremantle Dockers was on Cara Antonio, the inaugural captain of the Fremantle Football Club. Yesterday, after 47 games, it was her last game. She's decided to hang up the boots. And after a slow start, the Dockers, they conceded the first two goals of the match. They clawed their way back. And in the end, they won by five points over Hawthorne, 7-7-49 to 7-2-44. And they ended the season, what's been a very difficult season for them, with back-to-back wins. Antonio was pretty good as well yesterday, kicking a couple of goals. Inside 50, well read by Stevenson, but dropped the mark. Tunnel ball from Rue. Ty wants to feed Cara Antonio in her last game. She's got two. The Dockers are in front. 
and no doubt a man that certainly has had a lot to do with her is the coach in Trent Cooper. And post-match, after that victory by five points, this is what Coops had to say. Yeah, no, when they, when Hawthorne uh, with three goals in front, they had nine minutes to go with the breeze. It was looking very bleak and the team lifted and uh, we got it forward. But, um, yeah, that goal from Kara's into the breeze was absolutely huge uh, for the, the momentum of the game and to keep us in it. And, uh, yeah, she definitely did her part today, that's for sure. Yeah, we've talked about that a fair bit this week and the players uh, around know and are appreciative. Uh, probably the next generation won't know how much that she's done for women's football um, and, and for Freo in particular. Um, yeah, she's set the standard right from day one. I wasn't there the first couple of years, but all you hear is how she set the standard. From the moment I come in, she was you know, the leader and, and really uh, without her, uh, probably the the club could have struggled uh, with the women's team for quite a few years but uh, yeah to her credit she really stuck strong and, uh, and brought a lot along for the ride and we're already seeing the benefit of that now with the likes of Hayley Miller who've learnt off Cara uh, of how to be a leader and um, are they now passing on to the next group like Dana Reist and, and those types um, it's, it's to be honest she was probably injured from the moment I started so and not many players would have played any games with the injuries that she's carried but she's just always managed to just find a way to get through um so as a player she's been fantastic but her legacy is way beyond that it really is as a leader and bringing others along for the ride and, and she's made a lot of other people better uh, including me as a coach so I think that's uh that's what I appreciate most uh, the, no, yeah, it was a bit the opposite, to be honest, because uh, we knew that would happen, and that's not the way Cara plays. She's always been a high-score assist player, and, yeah, there was a period where we were doing that a little bit too much, uh, particularly when we were kicking to her one-on-one when she was against uh, Cunningham, who's about a foot and a half taller than her. But, um, yeah, once we sort of got away from that and started playing normally, that's when Cara's actually at her best. So, uh, and to finish with two goals, yeah, fitting reward for her. Yeah, well done, Trent Cooper, the coach of the AFLW uh, Docker side. They concluded their season yesterday, as I mentioned, that five-point win over Hawthorne. It was a bleak end of the season for the West Coast Eagles, only registering one behind in, I think they lost by 78 points to the high-flying Melbourne Football Club at Casey Fields there in Melbourne, one behind for the whole game uh, and certainly by a long stretch, their lowest score since they came into the competition and the big talking point, as we know, in the last couple of weeks has been the fact that uh, the $15 million pledged to Netball Australia by the mining magnate Gina Reinhardt, uh, where she withdrew it because of supposedly some problems uh, by some players and the communication between Netball Australia, the players, and also the sponsor. She's withdrawn the funding, but the Victorian taxpayers will now foot the $15 million bill for sponsoring Australia's top netball side because Visit Victoria, which is like Tourism WA, today announced it has inked a four-year partnership with Netball Australia that will run until June of 2027. So the $15 million is back heading towards Netball Australia, but it's Visit Victoria, which again is a government entity there in Victoria that will be the sponsors of Netball Australia until June 2027. It's 1.30. On the other side of the break, one story I found very fascinating was regarding an outstanding Pakistani cricketer who's just about to release a book, and he has come out in the promotion of the book 
and told us about some of the demons that he fought some years ago. He's an absolute Pakistani cricket legend. If you don't know what I'm talking about, keep listening after 1.30. I'll mention the information just before 2. As I mentioned, he's uh, about to release his autobiography called Sultan, a memoir, and uh, he was really fighting an incredible battle with drugs, and uh, I'll bring you those details after the news headlines. Tilma, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA-owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. And uh, before we go at 2 o'clock, we'll feature Jared Waitley's phantom call of the running of the 2022 Melbourne Cup. It will be in wet conditions. They're forecasting about 8 to 10 mils of rain for the first Tuesday in November being tomorrow. And for tonight, there's the chance of a thunderstorm in the early evening. And as you heard in the news bulletin there, it looks like the Australia Island game could be interrupted by rain. Looking at Melbourne's forecast, in fact, they're looking at some sort of rain activity right through until Friday. Bleak City at its best, let me tell you. Melbourne at the moment, it's 25 to two. Just before we uh, feature our next interview, I mentioned about a Pakistan cricket legend who's about to release his autobiography called Sultan, a memoir. I'm talking about Wazim Akram. And it says it took the death of his first wife, Huma, to spark him into finally kicking his addiction to cocaine, which had replaced the thrill of playing when he retired. Now, he's 56 years of age, just was a outstanding pace bowler and a key member of the Pakistan side that won the 1992 World Cup, says it was Huma who found him out and advised him to seek help. However, that did not work, and Akram said in an interview to promote his new autobiography, that the doctor was a complete con man and he returned to taking cocaine. It took Huma's death, she was only 42 years of age in October 2009, to finally persuade him to give it up. Akram, by the way, took over 400 wickets in 104 test matches, said the culture of fame in South Asia is all-consuming, seductive and corrupting, and he fell into that trap after he retired in 2003. He was one heck of a bowler. Don't worry about that, was him, Akram. But as you can see uh, in his autobiography, uh, he was hooked on cocaine for a number of years. It's coming up uh, 24 to 2. We're going to speak now to the Football West CEO. I spoke to Jamie Harmel a bit earlier, and uh, we were talking about the FIFA Women's World Cup that's coming up and how the new state of excellence for soccer is developing there in Queen's Park. I welcome Jamie to the program. Yeah, my pleasure. This will be big. For those people that don't follow the round ball game, how significant will this tournament be? It's, it's huge. Uh, this is the third biggest sporting event in the world. The, the biggest female sporting event, the Women's World Cup. Uh, billions of people will have their eyeballs on Australia New Zealand and for uh, five magical nights in uh, particular, uh, they'll be watching here in Perth as uh, some of the, the best nations in the world uh, take each other on in the FIFA Women's World Cup. And, of course, we saw Sam Kerr, who will lead the Matildas. Uh, she was on show for Chelsea last night, an 8-0 win in the Champions League. Of course, uh, she is carrying the weight of expectation for the Matildas, isn't she? 
Well, yeah, she is. I think the whole squad is. Um, they've sort of they've been there and thereabouts. Uh, you know, probably a disappointing Asian Cup in the end, uh, semi-finals, the Olympics uh, as well. Uh, they just haven't managed to break through since that initial Asian Cup some years ago, where they were the first Australian team to win a, uh, an event of that size. Uh, Sam's obviously a hugely important piece of that puzzle uh, and very important to us as a as a WA girl. But the, you know the likes of Caitlin Ford, Alana Kennedy, all these uh, players playing at the top level in uh, English football at the moment have all certainly got a part a, a part a part to play across this. Now, Jamie, you've been involved in local football for a long time. And a few years ago, you were the head coach of the Perth Glory women's team. Did you ever forecast that Sam would get to the level she has got on a world stage? Of course, nominated for the Ballon d'Or. She's finished uh, third the last couple of times. Many feel she's been hard done by. Did you expect anything like this? I was lucky enough to coach Sam for uh, probably four or five months, I think it was. Only a short period. There was always so much potential. She was uh, an absolute diamond in the uh, the W League that then was uh, uh, A-League women's competition. You know, going up against seasoned Matildas international players and scoring goal after goal. Um, You know, her move overseas has just taken her to the next level. The the professionalism, the, the competition that she has to play against now week in, week out has, uh, has certainly propelled her. Her composure, her finishing um, is fantastic. Absolutely had the hard done by for the balloon door um, again. Um, you know, we can only hope that she will one day uh, hopefully bring home that, uh, that fantastic trophy. But she is an absolute dynamite of a player and, and full credit to her for, for how she matured as a player Um how she's battled back through some serious injuries earlier in her career as well, and having a an absolute ball from the look of it, and looking at the photo on one of the websites, the old backflip coming out yeah. again last night. Yeah, it was. Uh, you were there at HBF Park, which is being redeveloped for the FIFA Women's World Cup. Of course, the Minister for Tourism, Roger Cook, was there to basically launch it. Uh, what was it like? Did you get a glimpse on how HBF Park is being redeveloped? Yeah, it's really starting to take shape now. Uh, you know, a fantastic stadium. One of uh, was lucky enough to to walk onto a couple of times. One uh, where it used to have old, the old temporary stands along the side, and and now is the, the, the almost finished article that it is today. Um, the you know the centrepiece of the main the centre tunnel being built underneath the grandstand and coming out as as part of the requirements of the World Cup is is going to be fantastic and really. Uh, puts that professional air on a ground that you know you're so close to the action that has uh, such a great history um, for the round ball game as well. So I can't wait to see see it finished um, come next year and the Women's World Cup, but also will be a fantastic uh, venue for years to come for Perth Glory as well. What do you think of the Matildas drawing the group they're in? It's a challenging one. Um, I think that's the, that's the easiest way of saying it. Canada are, are a big side, um, Olympic champions, some fantastic players, world-class players that they have in their size. Nigeria, certainly no easy beats. And, well, we know what a, an Irish team will always do in, uh, in football, either men's or women's old day of battle, and um, they, they're always going to have a go at that. So it's not easy for Australia. They really want to be coming through uh, on top of the group to set themselves up for a great run through to the final. I know... That will be their aim, but uh, yeah, gee, Canada's a, a, probably the hardest 
group, the uh, hardest team out of that pot B that they could have drawn. And saying that, uh, we won't have the privilege of seeing the Matildas in action here in Perth, but we will be able to see Canada. And that'll be worth going along to see because, as you mentioned, one of the big significant nations in women's football. Yeah, that's going to be a great game, Canada versus the Republic of Ireland here in Perth. We know we've got a, a very big Irish following here in Perth as well, so expecting a, a great crowd for that. And the, the opening match as well, Denmark versus uh, China. Uh, again, really two really strong teams. China probably underperformed uh, at the national level, at the international level, sorry, for both men's and women's football. Um, they'll be hoping to do that. And, and Denmark, just the quiet achiever of European football, a smaller population, but just keep turning out world-class players and, and very competitive teams. So that's a, a fantastic way that uh, the tournament's going to be opening here in Perth. And what a great opportunity. As I said, we've got the Men's World Cup in November of this year, literally under a month away now. And then we've got the FIFA Women's World Cup. You are the CEO of Football West. You've got a great pedigree in the game, as we know, coming through Sorrento in the local league, uh, captaining the glory with distinction, and now in an administrative role. How much has the game grown here, Jamie, now that you oversee the whole code here in Western Australia? Uh, it's, it's such an incredible growth. I, I think back to when I was, when I was young and you know even playing at high school, and there's one one team for the whole of the high school. I went to Crean High, very uh, uh, surf school, uh, Aussie rules, and there was one team from year eight to, to year twelve. And to see the change from schools all the way through to club, um, you know, over forty thousand registered players in the game, around two hundred thirty thousand participants across the state, uh, is just just fantastic. Um, the game continues to grow. Uh, female football is the fastest growing segment of our game and with the Women's World Cup right here in our backyard next year we can you know only expect that to boom again and uh, you know some exciting things and moving into the the state football centre which is currently being built out in Queen's Park uh, to finally give Football West and football in Western Australia a home a home base and somewhere to uh, to build from as Beyond, uh, I suppose, beyond what I could have dreamt of as a, as a 10, 11-year-old playing up at Sorrento uh, at Perchador Reserve. Saying that, and that was going to be my final question regarding the big, uh, and football, as we know it, soccer in this part of the world, has been crying out for a base. You mentioned it's out at Queen's Park. Uh, it's being developed at the moment. Where is it at? What's the timeline, Jamie, going forward? Yeah, so uh, project completion is uh, early April. There's obviously a very strict one. It's uh, a venue training site for the Women's World Cup, so there's not uh, not too much room to, to manoeuvre in terms of that, but the, the state government has been extremely supportive in, in supporting the build uh, and making sure it stays on time. The form works up, the concrete's up, the, the pitches are starting to be sewn. It is really starting to get exciting and starting to hit home that... Uh, in only a few months' time that uh, we'll have a permanent office space. We'll be able to look out from the desks and see uh, a green pitch. Um, there'll be high-performance centres, strength and conditioning, recovery baths. So the central cater from the elite uh, Manchester United and international teams who come to Perth to play in those big games at Optus right down to some of our community programs and, and working across the different uh, multicultural and Indigenous uh, communities across Queen's Park and the, the greater southeast uh, metro area. Good stuff, Jamie. Thanks for joining us. Exciting times, it really is. I can hear it in your voice as the head of uh, Football West and uh, the great round ball game here in Western Australia. Thanks for your time, mate, and we'll keep in touch. My pleasure. Thanks, Peter. The all-new SEN app.
Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime. This will stop you in your tracks. Literally. Bendix Ultimate Plus High Performance Brake Pads with advanced high-performance ceramic formulation for even greater stopping power. Low. Stinsy lead from 65 to 68 picks. 13 in front on the back of these two. First this. A young kid with a handful of games can't kick a barrel in that moment, can he? Oh, well, I would have. <laughs> and then this. Yeah, I hate to say this. I kick 14 straight one day. 14 without a miss. Yeah. Off the bench. Saturday mornings from 9 on SEN. For over 100 years, Trojan Tools have been helping tradies and DIYers get the job done. And since then, Trojan has added heaps of tools to its range. Everything from screwdrivers, pliers and hammers to tape measures, hand saws and paint scrapers. Trojan tools are tried and tested and come with a lifetime warranty. And we mean it. You break it, we'll replace it. No questions asked. With Trojan tools, there's no substitute for quality. Whatever the job, Trojan tools are up to the task. Trojan, tools built tough. Available at Bunnings Warehouse. We can move the world for you, Cameron's. Through COVID-19, Cameron's is an essential service and continues to keep Australia moving. All the supplies needed around this country are on their way in the Cameron's can-do yellow trucks. Rest assured, all Cameron's staff are working to the highest possible health and safety measures. Driving in difficult conditions, we send a big thank you to all Cameron's drivers and wish them safe travels. Cameron's Cameron's.com.au Join Peter Donegan for This Is Your Sporting Life for Turbin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives Hear the stories from some of Australia's most inspiring and accomplished sports people Instantly it was like wow Major champion, I can't take that away from you That's incredible Riding in that Melbourne Cup I've never had one go so smoothly for me Who will it be this week? Join us to find out This Is Your Sporting Life with Peter Donegan I'm all set to buy a new car. He's not set to buy a new car. I've been looking all over social media. There's his problem. And I've done heaps of research. Asking your dad doesn't count. I can't wait. Oh, he'll be waiting. All I've got to do is find one. With over 200,000 cars for sale, if it's not on car sales, is it even for sale? Start your search today on car sales. Australia's number one for cars. Tulma, your complete tool centre. Proudly WA owned and operated for over 40 years. This is The Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. Well, today thousands of people line the city streets of Melbourne for the first Melbourne Cup parade since 2019. The race that stops a nation uh, is almost here and the fuel for tomorrow's race has been reduced to 23, as you've heard, after Point Nepean was ruled out uh, due to an elevated blood result. Earlier today, by the way, uh, Jared, Whaley, uh, Jared Waitley, who will call the, uh, the big race for SEN, actually put together a phantom call. This is how he predicted the race would go tomorrow. Gates crash back and they are away in the 2022 Melbourne Cup. They broke in a good line. Dover Legends stepped cleanly as did Gold Trip. To a snagging back with Luna Flair and without a fight. Montefilia is angling forward as is Realm of Flowers and Dowan Declare. Emissary will settle in the back portion of the fields. 
down by the 2800. They're settling out in order and the pace is coming from out wide. Knight's Order and Serpentine are surging on from their outside draws. Numerian kicks up down low with Smoke and Romans who's going to be prominent. Realm of Flowers on their backs with Grand Promenade and Vow and Declare. Young Verda and Charlie Rose left with the task of trying to find the way in. Next, Montefilia, the middle of a line of three. Interpretation the rail and Kimura is perched out on a limb past the post the first time. Dovell Legend right on midfield from Gold Trip. Daquan Sweet Jr. then without a fight, high emotion and Stockman. Hu Yamal is in the last half dozen as they put the grandstands behind them. Next, Luna Flair, Duace, Emissary is a long way back and Arapahoe tailed off. It's a fiercely run Melbourne Cup as the field strings out down the riverside. Knight's order at the strong gallop. Serpentine slithers up alongside him. Then Numerian in third from Smoke and Romans fourth. Thou and Declare races with the stablemate Young Verta. Grand Promenade, Charlie Rose and Realm of Flowers travelling sweetly. Montefilia Interpretation and Kimura not having much luck past Chiquita Lodge. Without a fight, eager to improve. Dover Legend and Gold Trip biding their time. Hu Yamal is on the move from Daquan Sweet Jr. High Emotion and Stockman. Luna Flair, Duace is easing out. Emissary and Arapahoe still sees them all. At the 800, Knight's Order forever giving them something to chase with a bold showing out front. He's seen off Serpentine and it's Smoke and Romans who picks up the pursuits. Grand Promenade, Realm of Flowers and Vow of Declare moving up from Montefilia and Interpretation. Dover Legends in the ruck. Gold Trip has the favourites back looking for the way through. Huyamal, Luna Flair hooking out. Duace and Emissary swing widest into the straights. Homeward bound in the cup. Grand Promenade moves up alongside Knight's Order. Realm of Flowers poised to make a line of three. Montefilia's into the clear with Interpretation. Dover Legend about to see daylight with Gold Trip, Duace and Emissary the Swoopers. Realm of Flowers took the front of the clock tower. Dover Legend got the split. Interpretation and Gold Trip coming on strong. And Duace and Emissary closing hard in a thriller. Realm of Flowers by length. Gold Trip in for the fight from Interpretation and Emissary. Realm of Flowers fights for all she's worth. And with the pull in the weights, the cup is back in the hands of the Freedmans. Realm of Flowers just from Gold Trip. Interpretation and Emissary. There you go, the phantom called by Jared Waitley. He's called Realm of Flowers to take out the 2022 Melbourne Cup. And whatever you do tomorrow, have a fantastic day. It should be a beauty. It's going to be a bit wet. Uh, they're forecasting 8 to 10 mils of rain in Melbourne tomorrow. And it may come a bit early. They're forecasting possibly a thunderstorm tonight, which could also interrupt uh, the ICC T20 World Cup match between Australia and Ireland. A pivotal one for the Australians as they try firstly to secure the victory and also try and improve what is a, a pretty poor uh, net run rate after being belted by New Zealand in the first game. Just before I go, uh, just don't re- uh, well, I'd like to remind you the Perth Wildcats, of course, are very much at this stage going through a bit of a, a tough trot. They're playing tonight, so we'll keep you up to date on how they're going. They've lost their last couple. But uh, they're always a better team at RAC Arena. Get behind the Perth Wildcats this season. And if you haven't got your tickets yet, pick one up. Uh, head to tickettech.com.au.
Four o'clock this afternoon, we've got Australia and Ireland, uh, more World T20 cricket. But first, we're going to go with a run home. Hayes and Marto will join you next on the SEN WA. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back tomorrow from five with the all-new Sports Day. Look forward to your company then with a few surprises as well. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Lee. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. The all-new SEN app. Download it today and never miss a moment of your favourite show. Streaming live anywhere, anytime.